expecting someone else? I, I, I... That's three eyes in one breath. Makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. What's happened? Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Live from a Dairy Queen on Metabilis 3, this is Doctor Who Podshock. This is Doctor Who Podshock episode 62 63. for the week of January 8th, 2007, presented by Outpost Gallifrey. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. And way across the pond again, Mr. James Norton. Hello. And uh, we are here for the first podcast of the year 2007, an exciting an eventful year already, and we're only a week into it. Mmm. For real. So what do we have? Let's jump right into news, because there are a few, uh, there are a few news items that we definitely want to mention and, and talk about. So let's go right into the newsroom, and Mr. Louis Trapani will, uh, will bring us up to speed on the news. Well, where shall we begin? We have, um, last week we commented on this whole, um, story that was, I believe, in The Sun that um, indicated that David Tennant was going to be leaving in Series 4, the 2008 series, in mid-season, or mid-series, rather, and um, there's a lot of hoopla about that, and we kind of really just put it to rest by saying that, you know, Series that, that series 4 hasn't yet even been commissioned yet, and um, and I had said that after three years, you know, that that's really the, 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 the sort of the norm or the average for an mm. actor playing the role, so uh, this shouldn't really be any of any surprise, and it's not the first time that we've heard this either. So uh, um, I said, you know, well, I guess collectively we said let's not worry about it until um, at least let's get past Series 3 first. So, um, mm. But now there's um, this rumor about um, Jason Statham, um, if I'm pronouncing his name right, and I'm not really familiar with the actor myself, but there's this rumor that he's um, he was lined up. And last week we reported on another actor, which I, I the name escapes me now, that was um, who had said that he was... Um, you know, going to be the next, he was being considered for the role. Well, actually, you know, this, I mean, this is really how you know that it's a, strictly a rumor mill and that there is zero credibility to any of these articles is when you hear that Jason Statham is the, is rumored to be the doctor. Uh, there's a, probably a chance that one of the three of the pod shock hosts are uh, <laughs> going to be the doctor long before. Uh, I have a I, chance. Cool. You have a chance. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, you have mm. the curly hair, so you can do the Tom Baker bit. Mm. And well, you have a scarf. Yes. <laughs> for those not in the know, Jason Statham is a, a British actor who sort of typically plays the gritty British gangster. He's been in things like Snatch and Mean Machine, Ghosts of Mars. Um, Lockstock the, the, and Two Smoke. Lockstock. They did... Um, the remake of the Italian job, and now there's going to be the mm-hmm. Brazilian job, which just sounds like a, a very nasty weekend in a in a uh, beauty parlor. But let's not go there. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, he plays a very gritty character, kind of kick-ass um, gangster and very inappropriate for the Doctor, I think. So, I don't know, there could be some truth in it, but there's truth in everything, and I'm very sceptical about this, personally. I think it's very, well, how could it very How be rumored to be the Doctor when they're not casting a new Doctor? Yeah, and, and the fourth series hasn't even been commissioned. I mean, fair enough, there might be some truth in the fact that David Tennant is leaving, and... I wouldn't be surprised in that or at all. And I don't think, it, right. yeah, considering leaving, um, you know, it might have just been thrown out there on the table, and okay. the BBC has been aware of it. And now it's come out, and I can accept that, but here's, I can't really accept Jason Statham, Jason Statham in the role. It's stupid. here's what happens: Jason Statham right now has a brand new movie coming into into theaters. Uh, a, a reporter walks up to him, stuffs a mic in his face, and says, would you ever consider being Doctor Who? And he'd say, yes, I would consider that. Because if someone came up to me and said, Kenny, would you consider being Doctor Who? You know what my response would be? Yes, I would. Yeah, well, of course you would, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, I, I think so, it's been... You know, that, that, so then they, they flip that and say, Jason Statham is uh, considering being Doctor Who. Of course mm. he's considering it. Mm. I'm considering but, going to the moon. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen, exactly. exactly. Because, exactly. But I mean, the, the, the source originally is the people. I mean, it's been on Yahoo News and, of course, uh, Outpost Gallifrey and all over the web. But on the article on Yahoo, it says, a TV source tells the people. Now, for those not in the know, the people is, a again, a tabloid... Uh, publication so its um, authenticity and accuracy has to be doubted and the article says it will be a Doctor Who meets Gangland. He, uh, Jason Statham will be doing a lot more thinking with his fists and will be a surefire winner with the ladies. Doctor Who is still seen as a bit geeky but Jason will add sex appeal and give the character more a more dangerous edge. Well yeah, firstly the, do the doctor doesn't have any sex appeal with David. That's Ken exactly what all, I was right? going to say. I mean come on Ken your wife calls yes, him Doctor Harty. Come on. Yeah. The ladies love David Tennant. Um, and you know, you know, you know, Doctor Who does need to be more violent. Come on, that just goes so <laughs> far away from the whole right? idea of, of Doctor Who. I mean, anybody who's watched Doctor Who knows that it is a completely non-violent show. The whole point of the sonic screwdriver is that it's non-violent and he doesn't carry a gun, he carries a tool. Oh, it, uh, it's just a load of rubbish and I think yeah. we should let's just not, say... Let's yeah. not even address it any further. Well, it's just so... It, it, we just we, The reason we put but, this much time into it is just that it's so comical we have to laugh. But this happens yeah. every time. Every time there's a new... Every time there's rumors of a, that there's going to be a new actor playing the role, there's all these actors that are thrown into the mix and um, from, the, from people that make sense to people that completely makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I... I you know, as far as this particular actor goes, I, I, I just went to the, um, the IMDb, and I, I really haven't seen any of his work, so I can't really comment on it. But except it's this, the same character all the time, Lewis. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Well, I know Samuel L. Jackson. People were complaining when he was first cast in Star Wars that he was going to be playing, you know, the same characters that he's played before, which um, really was um, not really. Um, it wasn't fair. No. It wasn't fair for him, you know, and 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 obviously he didn't do that in in the Star Wars films. So no, but um, seriously, he, he. I have yet to see a film where he's played a different character. Every single film that I've seen in, and I've seen quite a few. 
he's played the same character every single time and he has no oh, he's not enough. capable yeah. he's not capable of of producing the character depth which Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant and a lot of the previous doctors actors who've played the doctor have done because yeah. he's an action mm -hmm. star and that's yeah. it it would be like well, casting Arnold Schwarzenegger into yeah, the role. I mean the, the equivalent would be if Sylvester Stallone played Mr. Spock it yeah, just, it doesn't work. It just it's not going to happen. <laughs> hey, there's no logic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. But, yeah. I can see him with the pointy ears there. That I can see working with everything and else. And you know, I wouldn't want to see no. Leonard Nimoy play Rocky either. So there we're even. <laughs> it's only logical oh, that you go down now. <laughs> <laughs> So what else do we have in the newsroom? Well, in a related story, we have, really, we have already said, I, I believe, is that David Tennant is, um, has um, come out in an article on a fan website dedicated to David Tennant, has announced that he is committed to the series, despite rumors in the tabloids that he was going to quit after the third series. And the article says that um, David is absolutely committed to the show and is currently filming the third series. There is no fourth series currently commissioned yet, so we could not confirm his involvement in that yet. When the when further series is commissioned, we'll be able to confirm his involvement. So well, I mean, it comes right from David Tennant's own website that that he you know came down and said, "Look, I'm I'm committed to the show." And from a business aspect, from strictly what his his. Uh, his agents or managers might say is if you say that you're going to be in the fourth series now it weakens our hand at the bargaining table when it comes time to negotiate your salary so it's from a business point of view it's 100 percent accurate to say they haven't commissioned a fourth series and when they do if they ask me then i'll tell you whether i'm involved or not because if he says, yes, I'm going to be involved, and they haven't even commissioned it, well, then the BBC says, jeez, he, he really wants to be involved in this. So, you know, we can lowball him. So it, everything that he said is completely on track with what, what any actor would say in this, in this position. And he's, what more is there to say other than I'm committed to the show? Mm -hmm. So, um, again, I think we're putting way too much emphasis on what is tabloid garbage yeah let's wait let's just get through the third series yeah. yet what, what should be a compliment is that these these trashy papers and magazines know that by putting doctor who in their magazine they know they will sell them yeah and they'll sell papers it's and, very simple you know, you, you, yeah they'll only the reason they put these things in there is to sell their magazines what could they put in there that would sell a magazine everything's going fine on doctor who yeah well not or, many people would buy a magazine like that. Mm -hmm. Well, we can return to Doctor Who's roots. If we know, going back, this is going to our next story now, going back to uh, 1963 when Doctor Who first uh, came to the, um, to the small screen uh, and later on to the big screen, but that's size matters now. I'm getting <laughs> Um, it was really um, originally presented as a um, as a uh, the format or um, was presented as an educational series in a sense where it was a um, format where they can go forward in time and and um, or backwards in time. When it goes back in time, you can um, educate viewers with some history. Uh, going forward in time was um, gave viewers a chance to get some science knowledge, perhaps. And there's a, um, a minister, um, the UK government's new science minister, who, um, um, do I have his name? 
Malcolm Wicks? I yeah, believe. that's correct. He, he was appointed in November um, following uh, the, res the resignation of a chap called Lord Sainsbury, who was uh, very popular. Um, but he, he's saying that a lot of kids are basically put off science um, and that, that his way of getting kids interested again is to refer to, you know, popular TV shows and movies and stuff um, to provide kids sort of with an insight into science um, that teachers can use uh, to kickstart lessons. Because um, he's quoted as saying, if you start a lesson with a chemical formula, you will lose 90% of the class. If you start with something interesting or important, mm -hmm. like something they read in the paper or saw on television, they will remain interesting, interested. It can be part of an entree to something of the more technical, uh, important but slightly more boring parts of the subject. If I was a teacher, I'd start with a chunk from Doctor Who and Billy Piper and say, actually, what was that all about and how is our textbook, re textbook relevant to that? Um, and he goes on to give different examples um, from things like R2-D2 in the Star Wars films. And, you know, basically all he's saying that he believes that it's essential to produce a generation of children who are science literate. Because in the UK at the moment, we're seeing, um, uh, we're losing that skill base, sadly. Um, mm -hmm. Chemists and scientists in general, well, I can only speak of this because I'm a chemist myself, but scientists in general, I think, are very much in demand because people just aren't um, uh, going to do science degrees. They're all doing arts degrees and um, or humanities degrees. There's very little interest in science, which is a sad thing. Um, but this was all, uh, we forgot to mention, I think this was all reported in the Sunday Telegraph. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's scary, James, paper. to hear to hear you say that um, interest in the sciences uh, is diminishing in the UK. When you know, based on your own personal experience, you know, you're, you're someone who's studying to become a chemist, and I was just took it to, uh, that that the UK was ahead of the United States uh, in its degrees in the sciences and, and so that it only serves to frighten me as an American that if you think your country is taking a step back I can only imagine what it's like in the states and well that's, I, I that's more I a speak. warning than a than a you know than a commentary it's just it's yeah. sad it's sad that that you know well I think that um, the UK and the USA um, probably they're not getting as many people interested in the sciences for precisely the same reason is that science isn't seen as as a sexy. fun subject, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not sexy. It's geeky. It's boring. You know what? In a, in a, in a small way, I'm going to disagree with you on one aspect. The number one show on television in the United States is CSI, which mm. is an entire show about the science of investigating crimes, mm. as opposed mm. to the guy who's you know packing the gun and kicking down a door. The the show that's number one is a show about the science behind it. Mm. So oh, let's hope there's some. You know, let's let's. Keep our fingers crossed that there's some hope for us yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, things and I, like by the way, I applaud this gentleman for using this as a teaching tool and a, and a method of, of getting people interested in science. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, but I mean, I was this. It, my chemistry classes at school were very much like that. My teachers tried wherever possible. They would go through the science first, and then they'd say, "Has anybody seen such and such?" And okay, this was applicable to that or whatever. Um, 
But I mean, things like Brainiac, uh, I don't know if you have mm -hmm. that in the yeah, USA, but it. it's, it's really big in the UK. And something that you will be familiar, which is an, another fantastic series, is, of course, Mythbusters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, science is coming back, I think, but people are reluctant to study it because of the fact that people think that it's hard or think that it's, it's boring and, you know, laborious. You know, why take a... Uh, a difficult degree in 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 science and and not to kind of um piss off anybody who's doing something like media studies or whatever but a, an oversubscribed course say which is you know generally speaking i think a lot easier in terms of the workload and the time you have to put in and so on and come out with a degree you know i think just um if i was going to do a degree and, and I was a bit lazy, I probably would take something which only had three hours a week as opposed to a science which makes you work 60 hours a week, you know. But it, it's, it, he clearly, this guy, I mean, I've not really heard much about him because he's, he's fairly new in the post, but he seems like he's got his head screwed on tight. Obviously, you need to make science sexy and make it interesting, otherwise I think people science won't want to study it. Yes. Well, thank Same you, here. Ken. I, th I think <laughs> science is sexy. But uh, perhaps we're the we're, wrong people. We're going to do our asking. part. <laughs> we're going to do our part to make science sexy. <laughs> you heard <laughs> it here first I'm on Doctor Who Podshock. <laughs> well, science has always been about answering questions. The uh, you know the ultimate questions of life, the universe, and everything. So. Well, we already have the answer to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we need to know find now find the question. <laughs> <laughs> that much is true. That much is true. And hence, there's a reason why we're living on this planet, or this computer, whatever this is. This computer. <laughs> I don't know what... Go. go on, sorry. No, go ahead, James. You finish. I was just going to say briefly, uh, I wondered what Lewis thought about it, because we've kind of given our uh, take about it. What, what do you think about this, Lewis? Oh, no, What's I think it's thing? vital. I mean, I've always been interested in science. I mean, I mean you know, in addition to having a passion and love for science fiction, to me, without science, it's just fiction. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's that leap of um, going beyond what we know. And, and science is the exploration of that is just not. And as being, you know, also being an artist, science and art goes hand in hand because you really can't understand and, and capture the world around us unless you know the world around us. And, um, mm. and science is a study to understand that. And using Doctor Who or anything, Star Wars or anything that can really cap tie in um, to the interests of, of what maybe, you know, youth might be interested in to pull them in to how this relates to them and how, you know, um, to capture their attention is, is a plus, is a good thing. And, mm. and Doctor Who is such a, is a format that can think that can do that they could do it in history as well with um you know g going into historical episodes you know you could uh show the aztecs in one of your classes and then you know spark a whole discussion about um you know the, um the aztecs and such and uh, mm. well, i think though i'm sorry james no, I was just going to say briefly, I think though it is crucial, but it is in, as long as um, they make it clear that which bits are the science and which bits aren't. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, because well, there's a chap called Derek Bell, who is the uh, chief executive of the Association of Science Education. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And he's just basically said, you know, we all enjoy Doctor Who, but teachers need to be careful and separate science from fantasy. And I think that's, that's a very important point as well. Um, but nonetheless, it's still an important teaching tool, I think. The opposite side of that, James, is that science fiction has always imagined first. 
And yes, that's much true. science has come out of that imagination. And, and the biggest example of that, of course, is Star Trek. Uh, with things like cell phones and stuff like that, the, many of the they predicted it, of course, many years behind. Yeah, were were influenced growing up by these these inventions. And I I recall the late great DeForest Kelly mentioning that he had some people come up to him over the years that were inspired to go into medicine based on Doctor McCoy yeah, and and, and engineering because of Scotty and things like that. Mm, so. Mm. Um, this is very relevant and very important, and I applaud this man for, for going out and saying this is, mm. this is how we, again, this is how we make it sexy. This is how we make it interesting, mm. Mm. And starting with the imagination and then going into the, the practical sciences. And hopefully we can steer things away from this pseudoscience, like things like intelligent design and all this rubbish that certain people are trying to get taught in the science classroom today. I hope that... Uh, that this issue will, uh, you know, to get people interested in science, you don't have to talk about pseudoscience. You can relate it to, to things that people can understand and relate to, like Doctor Who. So. Yeah, well, uh, just like you said before, you know, what Derek Bell said, you have to make it clear what's science and which is fantasy. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly, yeah. And I think there's no greater fantasy than intelligent design, personally, but that's my opinion. Anyway, All do right, we boys, have any we have more any news? other news stories? Well, I think um, just one other mention that uh, I, I think James wanted to make a mention of a new photo that's available of um, Freemar Adjaman and David Tennant um, in the TARDIS released by the BBC yesterday at the day that we're recording. And um, that's available. Um, well, it's on the Sun paper and it's also yeah. I'm imagining it's also on the BBC, BBC site. I don't think it's on the BBC site. No, but no. it's definitely. It's David definitely Tennant's on David Tennant's site. Yeah, it has the best copy of it so far that I've seen. Uh, mm. The sun's picture is very small and won't allow you to to um, capture it. But mm. uh, David Tennant's site, um, David Tennant's site has a, a larger version of the picture, and it's basically just uh, the Doctor and Martha inside the TARDIS console room. So I think that's you know something that fans have been clamoring to see and okay mm. so she's inside the console <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I, does that prove I, I don't really see what the uh, well you see David Tennant's red sneakers matches his red tie but that's and, and, <laughs> and her red jacket but otherwise um, you know it's nothing that extraordinary but, well because yeah. I think it's interesting because what it's kind of previewing is the fact that the photo um, will be featured on the, the, the next front cover of um, DWM the Doctor Who magazine um, and there's also a cover of that on um, the David Tennant website, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm going to be interested. Um, I'm a huge fan of um, a magazine over here called SFX. Mm -hmm. And they've got some kind mm -hmm. of snip bits from um, Series 3. And I'm going to buy the new DWM to see what that's all about as well, see you if know, they've got I, any well, info about Series 3. It, it's interesting. Um, Freema Adjamans has a fan website, which we, we have a link to it on from... You know, on our website, gallifrandembassy.org, uh, and if you go there, she—well, not she, but um, the the web designer, the, whoever's behind the website—has um, pointed out, um, I guess, ten things that you missed in the coming attractions for series three, and it's fairly interesting how um, there's like screenshots of if you've seen Runaway Bride at the end of Runaway Bride, there's a trailer for series three and. Um, so if you think you've seen it all, go and, and to this the free, free <laughs> the Freema Adjaman, um website, which I believe is um, 
freemaandrewman.com. And there's um should be a link there. Ten things you missed in the Doctor Who trailer. And if you've seen the trailer, I, I would suggest checking it out. It's fairly interesting, some of the things that are pointed out um, that you may have missed in the trailer. Yeah, like and Martha on the moon and stuff is cool. There's um, also one other news story that we didn't actually uh, put in our, in our uh, pre-show meeting, but uh, I wanted to make a mention that Big Finish announced this week that they are, uh, they've gone into uh, conjunction with Alien Entertainment, which is here in the United States, for U.S. subscription services. Uh, I know over in the U.K. you can simply subscribe to Big Finish, and every episode that comes out uh, you receive in the mail on a regular basis. And then for subscribers, there are some bonus discs and, and, and additional content that they produce strictly for subscribers. And uh, this, this deal with the United States is evidence, if any is needed, that the show is really starting to take off again in the United States, and that's great, great news. Mm. Great. Well, I want to remind everyone that the, this news segment comes to you um, from Outpost Gallifrey, and you can find all the news items we discussed at gallifrey1.com. Mm. And uh, actually, I have one more news story, and we'll get to that right after this. Elizabeth Sladen, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshop. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. And um, with us, joining us, is uh, we're very excited to have with us Sean Lyon from Outpost Gallifrey. Hello there. Good morning. A long time coming, uh, finally, ha- to have Sean on the show. It's been way too long, but I'm really excited. Well, we are pleased to announce now an association, and as you, many of you have uh, picked up on from the beginning of the show, uh, the Gallifreyan Embassy and Doctor Who Podshock are now in association with, uh, or being presented by Outpost Gallifrey, and this is the beginning as they say from Casablanca, the beginning of a beautiful friend. <laughs> yes, and I'm really excited about this. It should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Apple's Gallifrey is a, a fairly popular website, I should say. And, oh, absolutely. Um, that, that's and, an understatement, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> and, you know, Podshock is a, a terrific um, podcast. As a matter of fact, it looks like it's the biggest Doctor Who podcast out there. So uh, it's sort of a meeting of the minds, joining forces together. Well, mm. since day one, when we collect news stories, we've always, um, you know, get news from Outpost Gallifrey, you know, of course, proper credit and all that. So we're very, very happy to, we were sort of like two ships that were on the same path, and now we're, um, we're anchored aboard of each other. Or <laughs> Absolutely. So. You know, and I've listened to Podshock for, what, six, eight months now. So, you know, you guys do a fantastic job. Um, one of the things I want to make absolutely clear to everybody is that nothing whatsoever with Podshock is changing. It's going to be exactly the same as we're, usual. Yeah, we're, we're adding, we're not taking, so. Exactly. 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 So it should be a lot of fun. We're very excited, you know, to have you aboard and and to come in and and your input. And I mean, you get for many first half. (laughs) (laughs) He's overwhelmed, (laughs) is Ken. (laughs) 
Well, um, Outpost Gallifrey has been around for over 10 years now. It's it's like the pinnacle site for Doctor Who news and information. And uh, it, it's it's like the number one Doctor Who fan site. It's not like it. It is. It, it, I believe it's the only um, Doctor Who fan site that's recognized by the BBC. That at least they have links to it um, on mm-hmm. the official site. And um, it, it's it's really um, a testimony to, to you, Sean, for keeping this... For, for, laying the groundwork for this and 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 having the um the, the persistence and and the dedication and passion to build it to where it is today and it's no small feat and um hats off to you and um and on behalf of the whole doctor who you know fan community i, I think we're all appreciative of it and and the time and effort that it takes to, to you know that, that that made it what it is today well, and I appreciate that. And, you know, I'd love to take uh, a fair amount of the credit for doing something, but I can't. It's, it's so many people over the years that have, that have put their time and effort into it. Um, you know, we've got 18,000 people discussing Doctor Who in our forums, and, you know, they're the ones who keep coming back day after day. Um, and, you know, the people that contribute news and reviews and everything like that. It's, I've, I've really been lucky to meet so many terrific people. Um, and, you know, this latest development with Podshock is just another development on that. It's, you know, m- working with more people to bring more Doctor Who information to the masses, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So well, it's, we, um, we, it's a labor of love. We've Absolutely. always discussed that it's um, that we really do have an excellent community amongst the fans, um, starting with the, the resurgence of the show and, and the Chris Eccleston series. And uh, when Lewis and I first discussed podcasting, you know, we said we, we've got to, uh, we've got a great opportunity with the, with the show relaunching to just go and do something and try to do something special and um the community itself really embraced the podcasting and the web and the, the right re, uh, the the uh relationship between sites and podcasts I mean, the other podcasts are out there we embrace and uh and help promote you know because it's we're all in the same community together we all enjoy the same thing and the the way that our community is strong is by sticking together and sharing information and sharing views. And I just think oh, this is a great thing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's the same with, with websites. Um, there's a lot of different Doctor Who websites out there, a lot of news and information sites and other discussion forums and things. And, uh, you know, we have, I have great relationships with these people. There's a lot of them that are very good friends of mine. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that in such a world that we live in today and, and how kind of crazy and chaotic it is that this is the sort of thing that brings people together, a television series. Mm. You know, it, it mm. crosses the water and, and, you know, James and Ken and Lewis, the three of you are in different locations, but you're brought together by this one show. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, and it's, it's a great thing that we can actually, you know, drop international borders and drop all the, the, the craziness going on with our world. And actually we, you know, we're all friends and we're all part of this community. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the the pleasures and joys of doing this podcast is that we are a, a global um, audience and that we have listeners, you know, from all over the world uh, coming in with their feedback. And it's great to hear. We have correspondents from all over the world, and uh, it's just it's a great, uh, I, well, as I said, a global community. And um, it's, it's a huge thrill when you receive an email or a voicemail from someone, you know, New Zealand, Germany, Japan, Korea. It's it, like. It, it's it's mind-boggling sometimes. I'm like, we're just a you know a couple of guys with a podcast. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I got an email the other day from somebody wanting you know asking if he could translate my entire website into French. I thought that was just really. <laughs> I, I thought I was really flattered. It's like he wanted to take the time to do this. 
So mm. that would be a mammoth uh, task, I would imagine. Um, I the wealth of imagine on on Outpost Gallifrey. There's like four thousand one hundred reviews. I think it would take him a little bit of time. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Just a little bit. Another understatement there, mate. Yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. he's a time so. lord. You know, <laughs> who knows? The thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, when you're a guy who's a pioneer of fan websites, you know, yours has grown to this 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 status, this icon status. Um, has it amazed you that it takes on a life of its own sometimes? I mean, I, I, I've seen that happen with the Gallifreyan Embassy forums where when it started, it was, you know, Lewis and I posting and then a couple other people, a couple of people. Now all of a sudden it's, it's this, this own entity. Um, has that ever amazed you when you it, go and you look through there? It scares me, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's so funny how you, you look at something that you started and I've, I have archives of all the different various um, eras of the website and everything going back to day one. And um, I looked back a couple of months ago at something from like 1997, 1998, and there was hardly anything there. And it just, from that, how it's developed over the years and the amount of people that have come in, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. I actually found out about four months ago that there's, a, there's an Outpost Gallifrey entry on Wikipedia, for God's sakes, which just really wow. frightened me. I know. I don't know and why. you know but you've made it, was, it right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it was a little frightening, but, you know, it was kind of flattering, too. I thought that was quite nice. Yes, yes. Well, well-deserved as well. Yes. Oh, thank you. This, um... But... But you know, I, I, I can't emphasize enough that it's it's so many people. It's not just one person doing this. And and uh, you know, I actually for a lot of the later part of two thousand and six, it was getting a little bit nerve wracking to keep constantly putting the news up. And I really got behind. And it it was difficult to make the decision to let other people in. But you know, we've got like fifteen more people now who are are news editors on a regular basis who are basically running the news page. And it's unbelievable how much of a, a difference it makes and how great a job that they're doing. I mean, they're, I, I wake up in the morning and there's 20 news stories on there. It's just well, weird. Um, actually, that, that actually leads, leads me into my next question was, you know, over the, the end of 2006 there, you sort of had a little hiccup where you felt a little bit overwhelmed and you were working on some other projects. Uh, and now the news is back to where we come to expect it from Outpost mm -hmm. Gallifrey with a story after story, one after another. What happened there? What, what happened where, where it just overwhelmed you? Uh, you know, well, there were, you give there us were, a little detail. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people were, were puzzled and worried. I know I was worried. <laughs> I saw, this is the last story you'll ever see. I was like, yeah, whoa. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. It was actually twofold. One was uh, I spent the summer of last year writing um, the second and final book that I wrote for Telus Publishing, Second Flight, about the second season of the show. And um, when you spend a lot of time, and I was spending a good 12 to 15 hours a day working on this for about three months, that kind of, you know, overwhelms you a little bit. But um, more importantly, there's a, uh, there was a running column called the TARDIS Report, which was a press column that would go on, you know, once every couple of days, and it would, it would, put together all the different press stories for the last couple of days. Um, and there's so much out there and there's so much coming in. I have a, a gentleman by the name of Paul Engelberg who has um, basically scours news feeds for us and, and looks to find different press items. And I was getting 50 to 100 a day from Paul at one point. Um, little mentions in the press to, you know, major stories about David Tennant's love life or what Christopher Eccleston's doing or whatever. And uh, after a while, it, when it takes you two to three hours a day to put that stuff together, it just becomes really overwhelming. So uh, it, it was 
I, I had to get to the point where I, I just, it was saturation. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's when I decided I had to either bring somebody else in or stop it. And I had thought about stopping it, but I, I realized after about three weeks that that was probably a mistake. Well, I, I have to say I can completely, you know, relate. I, I've gone through that myself where um, if we go back to the beginning of, of the Gallifreyan Embassy, I, the, first, the first four years going from 1985 to 1989 or so, um, you know, at that point I was president and editor of the newsletter and, um, you know, just handling so many different things, aspects of the club that, Right. Eventually, I had to, you know, step down and, and let others come in and, and take over. And um, it just gets to a point where it's, you know, overwhelming. You know, it's only so many exactly. hours of the waking day that you can commit to it. And no matter how deep or your passion is, it's just, you know, it gets to a point where you, you need to find a balance. And sometimes it needs letting go and, and stepping aside and, and, and you, know, ha- you know, having others, you know, help out and fill in. And so, uh, you know, there's no... You know, I completely respect what you've done and, and, and the decisions sure. you made. One of, the, one of the things I wanted to ask you, do you ever feel like this weight of responsibility about that from a, from a new, from a, like, almost like an obligation? Th- Absolutely. To the, because the, the site has grown so big and so popular? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's scary because um, there's such an ownership taken in, in the site itself by, by Doctor Who fandom. And uh, I, I'm not really sure they understand always, a lot of people, that there's a, a human being who's actually sitting there at the computer working on all of this, yeah. this stuff. You know, I, I, when I made the announcement to shut it down, I, th- I stopped counting about 500 emails from people that, mm-hmm. that had come in saying, please don't do this, please come back, please whatever. And they don't, they don't quite get that there was a there was simply, I was, I was tired and it's hard to let something go. And I think we all at some point in our lives have to, Mm -hmm. have to face that and say, you know, is it something that I can let other people in? Because OG has always been my voice. And, um, you know, bringing in the other news editors was probably the best decision I've made in the last couple of years. I think they've just done a great job. So you feel it's helped you then to have a more diverse editorial staff? Not only has helped me, it's helped the site, it's helped Doctor Who fandom. Um, there are things that, that other people can, can capture that I can't. You know, obviously, I don't live in the UK. And as much as I have been doing over the years to try to get you know, UK information, I don't have that perspective. Um, I live in LA. I don't, I don't have a perspective of what's going on in London all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we should mm-hmm. also be clear that we were just speaking of the news segment of the Outpost Gallifrey site. I, the, the rest of the site still uh, thrived and continued um, while the news section took a little hiatus. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the forum's as popular as ever, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was basically just shutting down the news page. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people made the decision that without the news, it wasn't going to be worth it anymore. So we did have, throughout October, November, we had quite a bit of loss of, of viewership. It went down from 25 to about 10, 11,000 per day. Um, but it's come back with mm-hmm. in droves the last couple of weeks. It's unbelievable. Great. Mm. Well, I think as soon as uh, people realize that it's it's back up to speed in the news page, because news moves so fast within the community, um, you know, it doesn't take long for it to get back up to its ordinary figures, I guess. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, even now I'm having to look at further further server um, increases and such, you know, back-end hardware, because we're just getting, we're getting slammed with, with the uh, new interest in the show, and especially with the third season coming up, and, you know, Torchwood and Sarah Jane just having aired, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Absolutely. It's crazy. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I do love it. I do love it. Yeah. Sean, you know, one of the things that we do on, on Podshock, one of the favorite things from, from many listeners is when one of the hosts goes off on a rant. Uh, usually it comes down to myself and sometimes James. Uh, Lou is a little more subdued. So now I'm going to put you on the spot and give you a chance to, to have a bit of a rant. Sure. There's a posting that may have started, I believe it started on myspace.com and, and may, have, um, may have started perhaps even in the Outpost Gallifrey forums. This uh, hundreds to boycott Doctor Who, uh, the story going back to, uh, the post going back to uh, Paul Cornell's two-parter, that may be a remake of Human Nature, uh, a novel, a novelization from a couple years back, and this uh, this whole idea we, we mentioned earlier about the the forums having a life of its own and the internet, and how quick the news travels or can be perceived to travel, even if it's incorrect information. Right. You know, it's interesting because I actually saw that for the first time on your forums, which kind of goes to show you how, uh, how quickly things travel across the internet. Um, I wish people would not necessarily believe everything they read on the internet. I, I'm not going to talk about whether or not human nature is the episode in question, but, uh, I wish, I wish people would have a bit of a sense of perspective. Um, it's, it's funny how, misinformation travels the internet so quickly. Uh, there was about a year and a half ago, I believe, where someone identified David Tennant, a personal opinion, they thought he looked like a weasel. And uh, this got across the country, got across the planet, over the internet, made its way into the pages of Doctor Who magazine when they asked David Tennant about it. And, and Tennant mentioned that he had seen the comet. Um, I don't think people quite understand the power that their voice has on the internet and how many people are reading it. But uh, it's, it's fascinating to see that people getting really up in arms about something that they haven't watched and ha won't air until, what, May, June, something yeah. like that? Uh, the reason I, I bring it up is that nothing infuriates me more in fandom in general, and this goes beyond Doctor Who fandom, when someone is judging something before the content has even been produced. Uh, they did this most recently with James Bond, with CraigNotBond.com. They didn't even see the movie, and they already judged and evaluated Daniel Craig as not being James Bond. Which, by the way, the critics and, and, and the fans have come to uh, rave about his performance. Mm -hmm. Oh, it, let's go back to Billy Piper. I mean, everybody was oh, up yes. in arms yeah. mm -hmm. about Billy Piper. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, now you look back and you think she's one of the best things to happen to Doctor Who in the last, you know, decade. But beforehand, people were just flat out, you know, wanting yeah. to boycott the mm -hmm. show and telling mm -hmm. Russell T. Davies that he couldn't cast Worth a Damn. And, you know, it's just, people just overreact. But then again, Doctor Who fans have always overreacted anyway, so... Yeah, well, mm. when they're passionate about something, I guess that happens. You exactly, know. exactly. Yeah. But I think also it's, it's probably not hundreds of people going to boycott it. It's probably just some guy and his mate who have sat down and had a conversation and just decided, well, you know what, I don't like this idea. Um, I'm going to boycott it. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll both boycott it. And then posting some information on MySpace or whatever, and it's just gained momentum. Well, and really, 
people should shut up and just watch mm. it when it comes exactly. out. You know? I mean, it's not even the first time that a story like this is happening where you have a writer that had written a, a novel about Doctor Who that brought it to, you know, the TV series. And it's the same writer. It's Paul Cornell. So, I mean, if he wants to base a, a televised story on something that he's written in the past, more power to him. And, and I feel that Doctor Who has always been first and foremost a television series. And that's really what it's about. And if you want to draw, you know, pull stories from other mediums that Doctor Who has crossed over into, that works as well. I mean, we, I, I made a comment in our thread on our forums that we uh, we have two shotters in a sense, because we have the Tom Baker one, albeit incomplete, but then um, Paul McGann has a version of it on Big Finish. Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy both of them, even though the same story is being retold. Well, and if you yeah. think about it, if you think about it, it's not, it's not, Mr. Cornell wanting to write a certain, you know, adaptation. This is television, and the producers of the show have asked him for whatever these two episodes turn out to be. Um, this is what he was commissioned to write. So obviously, it's it's not a reflection on Paul. The other thing is that people don't understand that although they are part of this fandom, they have a voice on the internet. They're, if they want to boycott it, fine. You know, nine million people watch the show. <laughs> you know, they can exercise their right to turn their televisions off at any time, and I fully support that. But, you know, the problem is that these boycotts have a tendency to get a little bit of attention. When Doctor Who fans act a little strange or a little crazy, it makes national media. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, the Sun or the, the Mirror don't get their hands on this story and all of a sudden there's a major issue. <laughs> you know mm. they will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 people were ranting for about Christopher Eccleston leaving, and nobody knew the facts. Nobody knew what was yeah. going on, but of course, everybody had an opinion about it. Um, people, people got so fed up and 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 so loud and so obnoxious that I and the people who run the Apple Gallifrey Forum with me, we just decided, you know what, we need to close this for 24 hours, just to give people a cooling off period. And and besides, I was tired of dealing with the the stuff going on yeah so you know we shut it down for 24 hours it's no big deal you know we shut it down for maintenance all the time you know people went nuts and it ended up as a story in the mirror in the uk a national news story that it was shut down what a loss of perspective you know it's two it was 2005 and you know things going on in the world and the mirror is reporting that i shut down my (laughs) website for because of crazy people yeah, but the mirror is like that about everything, though. Isn't yeah, it's it? true. So, oh, it's sad that, that, that the newspapers that report on Doctor Who are the, really the tabloid newspapers that really you shouldn't believe very much of what they write in them anyway, and are really sort of uh, grasping for stories anyway. Well, it's a, at least Sometimes. It's a, it's a testimony to the popularity of Doctor Who because they know they will sell papers then. Yes, exactly. They know, it's, they know it will aggravate people and sell. Exactly. So. And you're right sometimes, but it's interesting how often, though, the sun and the mirror actually get the story right. That's the other side of the coin is when they reported that, you know, Billy Piper was leaving, that was correct. When they reported, you know, um, d- things going on with, you know, the episodes and, and m- filming and everything like that, that sometimes turns out to be correct. So mm. it's it's difficult. You have to watch mm. out for yeah. the hype. Of you have to sift through the data. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, of course, but uh, right. I think... More often than not, they when they tend things tend to get over exaggerated. They really do hop on the bandwagon, of course, and this maybe is, that's not so healthy for fandom. This is right. what's dangerous about a posting that one person put on the internet 
and that was picked up in forums and MySpace and, and whatnot. Um, the simple headline is a panic headline, and many of, and we this is where the danger comes in. I do not have a problem with a person having a fan having an opinion on something and disagreeing with the direction <laughs> it was going. And that. boy, do they have opinions! <laughs> so, and so does everybody. Absolutely. But they 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 perceive that hundreds are willing to follow this boycott and there's a perception now that Doctor Who fans are not happy with the show and this is the kind of crap that got the show canceled in 1989 it's this kind of negative energy that gets picked up on and recycled and rehashed and now there's a perception that Doctor Who fans are not happy with the direction of the series and there's they are an extreme minority and they need to be very careful it's okay to have an opinion but one wait till the episode airs and two do not project what you think other doctor who fans are going to i i posted that on myspace and i've had nothing but people emailing me back saying i agree with you this i don't know who this person is talking about i'm going to watch the episode well the same thing this, in our forums ken it's a, the, the same reaction was there that everyone's just dismissing it and um i i, I you know and i you know but, go or, ahead or, i'm sorry where Sean is, is correct is there's a danger that the Sun or one of these tabloids is going to pick up the story and say, Doctor Who fans irate over Series 3 or something. Well, true, but, but at the same time, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a danger as far as the perception of Doctor Who fans. But as far as actually impacting it, to be honest with you, we live in a new age, and I don't think any of this stuff could, could necessarily impact it at all. Yeah. I, think, I think, you know, I know the production team just laughs off half yeah. of what they see. Mm -hmm. So um, I do agree with you, Ken, that it's, it, for our image, it might be a problem. But mm -hmm. as for the future of the show, I'm not necessarily sure I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think, I, I'm not worried. I think that... Yeah, I'm not worried either. I mean, if if and when they end it, they're going to end it for their reasons. And, um, you know, there are rumors out there that they want to, you know, end it after the next year or two. And whether or not that, you know, turns out to be, that will be a simply a business decision. You know, we're talking a lot of money here, so. Yeah. I mean, right now the, the viewing figures are strong, and I'm, I'm sure when this right. story episode, when this two-part story episode <laughs> but this two two part story um, transmits. It's it's. I'm sure the figures will be just as strong. What what I'm what I'm basing my uh, my take on this is the the media change of tone that happened in six years between the Star Wars movies when the when Episode One came out in '99 all the way till last year when the final installment of the new trilogy came out. What in '99 the media would come and report on Star Wars fans in a very positive, exciting, oh, you guys must be thrilled. By the time we got to episode three, and over the six years of the movies and some of the things that Star Wars fans, uh, the, the perception changed to, look at these nuts out here waiting for another Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, they're marginalized fans. Huh? I'm yeah, concerned. but part of that was because the prequels weren't very good, but, sorry. But I'll the, keep my opinion to myself here. The media can change, and there's this warm, yeah. fuzzy about the return of Doctor Who over the last couple of years, and I just don't need them to turn into the vultures that they're capable of being uh, by saying, well, here goes these nutters again with, with Doctor Who, and that's just not where I want to see it go. And the only way we can keep that from happening is by doing these radical, these crazy postings. Keep mm -hmm. it... I'm a I think... Keep it positive. 
I think we've hit the nail on the head here because it's it's very damaging to the community because we've talked earlier about how, what a great community it is and how everybody gets on and shares information. But you know, it it shows uh, it makes us look bad as a, as a community and as as the fandom in general for people to diss stuff when they've not really they don't know much about it. It's just you know. You could argue the same thing over this whole issue with things like Jubilee was turned into Dalek and Spare Parts yeah, was turned I, into... that's exactly what I was hinting at earlier. Rise of the Cybermen and all that stuff. So I think we should just cool off and, and let... Just watch the episode and see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's no... Just people going crazy for no real reason. And, I guess and no one's taken away the original book, and that's still going to. I mean, you still have that, and you still can enjoy that. So, you know, it's if, now if it's any, just going to be exposed to more, uh, yeah, more people because exactly. I haven't read the book, and I'll definitely see the episode. You know, the two episodes in question. So, and for God's sakes, I, I, you know what? The people that are saying they're boycotting, they're going to watch the two episodes yeah. too. I mean, come yeah. on, mm -hmm. this won't air until at least May. I mean, for God's sakes, people, let's just have a sense of perspective. Here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, now turning things to, a, if I, if I can, to a more positive um, um, a, a approach of fandom, um, we're going to have. Lots of fandom um, um, concentrating at the L.A. Um, airport, right, in um, right. February. Maybe you, um, so in addition to Outpost Gallifrey, Sean, you're also the, uh, should I say the man or one of the um, people behind? The program I'm the program director. I'm one of the people behind the Gallifrey conventions in L.A. And this is the mm. 18th annual convention, is that right? Or? At 18 years. I can't wow. believe how long we've gone. I know. Um, Isn't that where um, your kind of uh, URL originates from? Because, of course, it's gallifrey1.com. I always wondered why that was the case as opposed to outpostgallifrey.com. Oh, yeah. Um, Gallifrey One, is it was started because of our convention. It was started ah. as a, a convention website, and it just sort of took a life of its own. But, um, yeah, we've been going since 1990, and we're about to do our 18th convention. So, And it's uh, February 16th through the 18th at the LAX Marriott Hotel at Los Angeles Airport. And, wow. And um, the convention will have Colin Baker, um, right. uh, Caroline John, um, Eric Roberts, Terry Malloy, uh, Jeffrey Beavers, uh, Maggie Stables, um, Tom Mc McRae, uh, Stephen Moffat, Mike Tucker, and, um, and and quite a few more. We have um, including some from Lost in Space and um, the original Battlestar Galactica and uh, Lockhart, um, whose mother was in Lost in Space. We had Billy Mummy, um, um, uh, Bob May, the robot, right? Um, Kind of going off the top of my head here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, we um, Colin Baker, obviously, as you said, is our is our guest of honor, our, the Sixth Doctor, and uh, Caroline John actually hasn't made an appearance in American quite a while, and this is a, a very rare appearance for her. But yes. it's more rare for Eric Roberts, who's mm -hmm. never done a Doctor Who event ever. Wow. So, um, which is which is a lot of fun for us. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, not certain when this podcast will be completely transmitted, but by the time it is, we'll have announced a couple more guests. Um, so we've got a, a few other people um to confirm that are kind of waiting in the wings out there as well it sounds an exciting sounds like another exciting event we're very um you know um i i, I know mike um our canadian correspondent mike duran or duran <laughs> i always get his name wrong duran yeah 
um, he's going to be there, to my knowledge. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll have him on board covering the event. And um, and any of our listeners who are there, where you know, your feedback is very welcome. And um, Sean, I believe you're going to be joining us in in future podcasts, um, giving us updates, right? Absolutely, I sure will. Great. Yeah, looking Can you tell me to on, on a question on, on the on the event itself? Have mm-hmm. how have you fared as far as um, involvement from the new production team and the new cast? Uh, I know that um, there seems to be some restrictions on the cast as far as uh, what appearances they can and cannot do. Right. Um, the the actual people who are technically employees of the series are not allowed to appear without BBC sanctioning um, for any event. It doesn't matter. It's it's U.S. or, or U.K. or otherwise. Um, so unfortunately, David Tennant, um, Freema Agamon, Russell Davies, Julie Gardner, and them cannot appear at fan run conventions. That's a, a BBC directive. Um, however, you know you can skirt around that for the people who are not you know employed by the BBC. So for example, you know this year we have. Um, Tom McRae, Paul Cornell, Rob Shearman, uh, Stephen Moffat, who've all written for the show. Um, last year, Noel Clark joined us because Noel was, you know, mm-hmm. appeared in, in only a handful of episodes in, in both uh, the first and second series. Um, so he was able to appear. Um, we, we've actually tried to get John Berriman over, and at one time, John Berriman was a confirmed guest of ours, but unfortunately, he is such a busy guy with such an enormously busy schedule. You yeah. know, obviously, you just saw. Torchwood, you know, airing, and he's coming back for a few episodes in, in season three of Doctor Who. Um, and he's done stage just, productions as well. So. Exactly, exactly. And the whole Dancing on Ice thing that he did last mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, he's just a, a phenomenally busy guy. Um, so, uh, but I would, I would assume that after a couple of years, people will probably start making convention appearances. Um, I, would, I would bet money that you'll never see Christopher Eccleston yeah. at a convention, but maybe, <laughs> maybe Billy Piper down the road one day. I think she's, she certainly remembers everything fondly now, and I'm sure she will even more so down the road. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Well, there was a time that they were, you know, you mentioned that we may never see Chris Eccleston, but there was a time where um, in the past there were certain doctors we thought we would never see, and, and wound up, you know, they started to do conventions and, and do appearances. Uh, Paul, Paul McGann being one of them, we almost yeah, you know what? entirely I should... wrote him off, and eventually he wound up doing some. I'll eat my words on that, because actually Paul McGann did Gallifrey, his first U.S. convention. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And if, if anybody had told me five years ago we'd ever see Eric Roberts at a Doctor Who convention, I'd have said they were crazy. But, um, <laughs> here they are. I think Ken, exactly. Ken has even said that on our show, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And we would never see Eric Roberts at a convention? Mm. At a Doctor Who convention. Yeah, yeah but, actually, I did say that. You know, I, I more power to him. I mean, if he wants to appear, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people to meet him and you know get autographs and things. So. And I think he heard our show, and that's why he said, "You know what? Damn it, I'm going to be." Yeah, that, that, there that you must go. Have been it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Kenny really came down on me pretty hard, so I I'm going to prove it. him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to eat your hat. Yeah, <laughs> but but I it's it's funny how uh, how conventions really do bring people together and people that you would never expect to meet in real life. And I, you know, uh, people think I think sometimes that conventions are people walking around in funny hats. And if if you've never been to a Doctor Who convention, it's it's not like that at all. It's actually people are are very. It's very much a sense of community and people getting together mm-hmm. and having a good time. And and it's not just Doctor Who the entire weekend. You know, people go out to dinner. People sit around talking about. TV shows or sports or the weather or whatever they're talking about, but but you know it's it's a real meeting of the minds. You already have something in common with someone, um, so that's you know a bridge out there to make new friends, and I think that's what people take out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, 
absolutely right. I, I went a about a year and a half ago now, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, for the most recent Star Wars celebration out in Indianapolis. And the mm -hmm. most had over four days was going to dinner with some of the fan clubs from around the country. Absolutely. And that was a completely non-convention event. But we were brought together by a convention, and it's extraordinary. You get to meet people, and, and you're exposed to, to, um, to other people and other ways of thinking and other, you know, uh, experiences and you brought together through the television show it's a wonderful wonderful thing exactly you know i go every year to gallifrey has a sister convention that happens in november uh, called chicago tardis and i go to chicago tardis every year um not just for the convention but because that's where i get to see you know my friends in doctor who fandom and go out to dinner and spend you know four or five hours sitting around a table so that's what is fun to me mm -hmm. one of the things that i also want to uh, to applaud you for uh, and I've said this to, to uh, some of the convention organizers around the country, there's really only three major, is that um, there was a time when Doctor Who conventions and Doctor Who fandom itself was at a low point. There was very little coming out, very little going on, and yet this is your 18th convention, and you've weathered that storm. You kept the conventions going when there was no Doctor Who, when there was when fandom was not as strong as it is today because people uh, perceive Doctor Who as being a, a show that had come and gone. Well, and it's funny you say that because there's actually not just one slow lingering death, I think, for lack of a better term, um, that we've experienced, but two actually, because around 93, 94, it really looked very bleak and we weren't sure what mm -hmm. was going to happen. And then the, the interest in the, the Fox TV movie just drove people back to fandom and it was really enjoyable to see all of that interest and it was really a a very exciting time mm -hmm. um and of course after that you know we had the disappointment of of not getting the, a new series, series out of yeah. it but but we had big finish audios come in so you know big finish sort of bridged the gap there after versions books and then bbc books and then we get the new show which no one ever thought was going to happen yeah. and you know it just one thing after another it's it's really kind of funny how how Doctor Who fandom has survived for the last 15, 16 years, pretty much on its own without uh, a show, except for the last two years, to, uh, to keep it going. Um, you don't see that in other fandoms, I think. Where we have an advantage this time around is because of the internet and the, the, the ability to communicate as quickly around the world as we have. I mean, that, that right. was, if we, would ha if we would have had the, the internet at the in the way that we have it today, and it was in its infancy when, when the uh, McGann movie aired. Uh, but if we had it as strong and as vibrant as it is today, things may have been different. Right. Well, look at, look at Babylon 5 fandom, which, which really kind of disappeared for the most part after the show went off the air. Um, they're getting a new movie, but you don't see the, 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 the level of intensity, I think, mm -hmm. in their fandom. And even Star Trek being off the air now for, for you know, almost a year... Um, there really isn't anything moving that except the anticipation of a new film. Um, Doctor Who fans are never idle, and that's, I think, a, a real testament to the, the love people have for this show. Absolutely, yeah. All right, well, we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock right after this.
first there was Firefly. Where the hell is my spaceship? Shoot the man, not the horse. Not a year now, I ain't had nothing. Twits my nethers weren't done on bottom. Be a damn hero, sir. That sounds like science fiction. Then came the signal. I'm Wes. It's not and just I'm because Serenity And we have another interview for you in this show. You're listening to News it's from also the Home. The Firefly Timeline. You're going to need a higher This camp. feature is all about when things happen. We want our trilogy. Now there's a whole world of new adventures. Would you fight for that right? How come no one's ever done There's plenty here that would. Probably no one's been desperate enough to Don't try. worry, this okay. guy ain't even I bet we are. Join us at the signal because the verse just got bigger. www.serenityfirefly.com And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. <laughs> Podshock. <laughs> anyway, with us is, um, as you know, is Sean Lyon from Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey One Conventions. And um, we're deli- we were delighted to have him on board with this episode, and we're also delighted to go forward with our partnership with Outpost Gallifrey. And um, Sean will be with us on future episodes, and um, so, but um, he is going to be departing us departing from us for this episode and we'll return um as i said in in future episodes so thank you and so I'm much looking forward to it yeah thanks sure mate great well, to have you on board well really thank you excited. and i just want to say i am so excited about this this partnership that we've developed and um i just want to say i'm a huge fan of podshock i think you guys do a marvelous job the three of you and um i'm looking forward to hearing it for you know months and years to come now, Sean, you have a book coming out. Can you give us a little detail, some details on that? We've got to throw in a plug here, you know. Oh, boy. Yeah, um, it's called Second <laughs> Flight, Back to the Vortex 2. It's from TELUS Publishing, and I think the release date for the U.S. is February. It's already out in the U.K., and it oh, covers mm-hmm. the, um, it covers the uh, second series of the show. Um, it's got facts and figures, and it's got a lot of reviews. And uh, one thing that's very personal for me now is that uh, one of the nine reviewers in the book, um, as many of you know, recently passed away, a writer by the name of Craig Hinton, who's a very dear friend of mine. And, uh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. It, we're, we're very saddened that, that, um, that uh, obviously, that we lost Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, I am pleased, though, to when I found out recently that he had actually seen a draft of the book before it came out. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wasn't sure if he had been able to see it but uh it's a huge loss because craig was such a wonderful writer and uh such a really great guy a very gregarious vivacious guy that you know if you ever met him you'd you'd instantly think he was your best friend so uh so we're definitely uh thinking of craig and and uh really excited that the the book is hopefully going to do as well as the first one it's out in about a month you'd say like in sometime in february exactly i think the u.s date is february um okay the uk it's already been for about six weeks it's been out and it's doing very well awesome um people listeners can purchase it by going to outpost gallifrey or um can you get it from amazon or yeah um actually amazon us i think carries it as of next month um if you go to outpost gallifrey there's a a banner ad on the front page that if you just Mm -hmm. click on it it directly goes to Telus, and you can order it from Telus Publishing. Um, Telus is the people who have published um, um, the television companion, the handbook, uh, mm. David Howe and mm. Steve Walker, um, you know, longtime uh, Doctor Who fans and, and sure. book publishers. They published the, uh, the Doctor Who novellas for, for a couple years. And um, Steve Walker actually has a book coming out in, I think, April uh, called Inside the Hub, which is a Torchwood 
um, book to guide to the first season of Torchwood as well. So they've got some really exciting stuff on their horizon as well. Great stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Sean. And, Absolutely. Uh, we'll have you on the show again very soon in the near future. Great. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you guys soon. Take Thanks care. so see much. You later. Thank you. And we'll be back with more Doctor Who Podshot right after this. Are you passionate about your movie watching? Do you know more about Star Wars than you do about your mother? Is Peter Jackson your favorite hobbit? Do you refuse to acknowledge the existence of any Godzilla movie that stars Ferris Bueller? Well, fear not. Now folks like you have their very own podcast, Cinema Slave. It's a weekly show dedicated to the passionate discussion of all things film, science fiction, fantasy, horror, foreign film, Hollywood classics, and everything in between. Cinema Slave. Check it out at www.cinemaslave.com or through iTunes. Just search on Cinema Slave, that's one word, and click subscribe. So simple, even a Gungan can do it. Excuse me. What have you done? You opened the rift without knowing what you were doing. You've caused the temporal cracks to widen. Time is seeping through. If it wasn't for me, you two still be in the night in force. People are dropping through time and they are going to bring every disease in history through your doors. So you better be ready. The Torchwood concludes with a special double episode. New Year's Day at 9.30 on BBC Three. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. So again, once uh, again, thanks to, to Sean and also Ken, who's had to, to bow out. He's uh, had some other commitments this evening, uh, but we're ploughing on uh, regardless. So, uh, but Ken will, of course, return next week. So don't you worry, all those uh, Ken fans out there, he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's just so much going on between uh, everything with Doctor Who and its spin-offs and um, it just, it's been a very crazy, you know, we just came back from the holidays as well, and, and we do apologize for the lack of podshocks out there, but, um, you know, we, <laughs> we're, we're catching up as well, so, but it's a new year, and we're getting back on schedule, and, um, and trying to catch up with everything that's gone, that, that happened in the past um, few weeks. We mm. had the Runaway Bride, uh, which was a, the first new Doctor Who uh, story since um, July, I believe, was the, so. Yeah, it was in July, it's good half a year that had gone by and it went by so quickly and um and soon we'll be in series three and um we're hoping um if it follows suit in either march or april um all that's said officially is spring of 2007 so uh we're months away um from from the new series and and now we have um we concluded the torchwood series it's um it ran its 13 episodes they did a back-to-back episode on um it was on new year's eve i believe it was yes where i was sat there watching it yeah they did episode 12 and 13 and um instead of waiting another week for the finale they did it they did it as a two shot and the two are somewhat connected so it did make sense that you know that was you know you were able to do that and and um and now it's been um commissioned for another series torchwood so 
exciting stuff. So um, both James and I have seen Torchwood Series 1 in its entirety now, and I know we said in the beginning that we were going to have these special Torchwood episodes, which never really came about. So maybe now we can talk about the series finale and then kind of recap the whole series, our feelings on it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, who, uh, <laughs> should you... Where to begin? Where to Indeed, begin? It's a difficult uh, <laughs> thing. Well, I guess we can kind of summarize how we felt about the series as a whole first. I mean, the, the, the series what did have a huge amount of hype going along with it because, of course, um, people are very passionate about Doctor Who and very interested in Doctor Who. So I think that the, 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 the possibility of a spin-off show excited many people. Um, so for many instances, it was almost quite difficult for the show to lead up to the hype, um, particularly, I think, for hardcore Doctor Who fans. Um, in the UK, certainly, just from speaking to friends and, and from reviews that I've read from UK newspapers and, and other UK, UK shows, Torchwood has been a huge success in the UK, despite its its odd flaws here and there. I mean, the the major flaw I think that I can find with it is that it, it can be very silly on occasion. It, it some of the things don't seem very plausible. But for me personally, I, I loved the, the 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 series as a whole, and I would probably give it a four out of five. Um, that the last star being demoted just purely because in certain parts it was a bit silly and I, I wish that there was a little bit more character development but we certainly saw that towards the end of the series particularly with Captain Jack in the, in the final two episodes um, and it certainly is going to be interesting to see how this all ties in with, the, with series three um, it was a very very exciting conclusion um, a, a, a bit strange, um, to say the least, and I, I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, but nonetheless, I, I really enjoyed the series. What about you, Liz? What do you, you think overall? Well, going into the series, as you said, that um, those of us that were familiar with with the character of Captain Jack, because we knew we were introduced to him in the 2005 series with Christopher Eccleston of Doctor Who, and we got to know him then. And then it was announced that he was this new spin-off series that he would be heading this up. And even though it was an ensemble cast, it was always billed as John Barron's Barrowman's um, new series. And he was seemed to be the pinnacle character heading up Torchwood, uh, a, um, a, a particular Torchwood um, that, that that this series focused on is uh, those that are familiar with um, with the series or with Doctor Who. You may have you, well, you, if you've seen the series two, you had to have some references of Torchwood. Um, and and if you, um, I know Canada is still somewhere it didn't complete series two yet, so I don't want to spoil anything. But anyway, so you're familiar with Torchwood, so uh, this is a particular branch of Torchwood and. But what I'm getting at is that, um, let me just give a spoiler warning, so if you haven't seen Torchwood, consider this possible spoilers. Yeah, it it's a yeah. non-spoiler-free <laughs> non review, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so when we, when we do, I was expecting the same Captain Jack Harkness that we grew and, and got to love during Doctor Who, and here it was very much a different character, and I think that was part of the disappointment in Torchwood as a series was that I, I missed the sort of happy-go-lucky um, 
character that we got to see in Doctor Who, and now, if you remember when we last when we last saw Captain Jack in Doctor Who, he was killed and then brought back to life. Uh, you know, with the um, you know, in the with that whole um, time energy, vortex with Rose. Yes, thing, yeah. the, the whole energy thing and all that. So um, now that he's back. To, he not only is he back to life, but he doesn't seem to be able to die. Um, it seems like that energy has um, is still within him, and and because of this, he's no longer feeling the thrill of life. And um, you know, it, yeah, that for, that for me was the explanation as to why his his character had yes, changed yeah. to what was more serious. Um, I well, didn't think it was a huge difference in his character. Just you, the more darker elements of his character were certainly brought out in this series. Yeah. But he seemed more wooden and, and stiff and um, and, and it, you know, less emotional and mm, yes, distant, I yeah. distant, you know, and I understand that that um, what makes life worth living is death in a certain sense, you know, because it makes life more important, whatever. And um, and, and the being not being able to to die, maybe it, it, it devalues life in a certain sense. And I guess that's what they were trying to illustrate there. I, I thought it did more... I, I, I didn't think it enhanced the character. I think it just um, brought it down somewhat. Overall, I mean, there, there were a few episodes, a few stories that, that I did enjoy. There was none that I could say... Um, we were giving a, a rating system on our website, um, either zero to five weevils, and that's how you could rate each episode. So there were, I, I guess, a good handful that I rated for weevils out of five but um sadly I, I can't think of any one episode that i would give five weevils to um and it just it just didn't maybe because the bar was a certain level with doctor who and um and it just um it just failed to meet some of my expectations as far mm. as that goes um it was an ensemble cast and it seemed to focus more on certain characters especially in the beginning it was mostly gwen and and and, and captain jack stories and um and and then it was owen and um and tosh yeah Kate, you got a little bit of tosh but it seems unequal tosh i didn't think really got as much screen time as the other characters and then Yananto and uh, if i'm pronouncing his name <laughs> whatever yanto yeah yanto yeah he's he's just um again very it was, there was one episode with the Cyberwoman, and outside of that, there really wasn't much, you know, there weren't any other stories that really focused on him so much, you know. Um, well, and I thought it was interesting because he clearly proved himself to, in the end not to be a, you know, just the guy who cleans up after everybody else, which is what he seemed to be in the start of the series. But I'll agree, he was a very interesting character, and uh, I, I would have loved to see more development there, but I think it was more subtle because I think they were worried that... I mean, first of all, um, Torchwood is different from Doctor Who in in, in the instance that, of, of course, with the 2005 series, the Christopher Eccleston series, they kind of had to reintroduce a lot of the Doctor Who concepts to another audience. <clears throat> but it, it still had the same feel of the, sh the, the show it always was, and... Um, they didn't have to, to introduce anything for the hardcore fans. Whereas Torchwood, this was really its first outing, and they had a lot of introduction to do and for you to kind of get the feel of the characters and what the show's about. And I think that this series has been laying the groundwork, and I think the next series will be different because um, with Captain Jack, this, this whole monster thing, uh, Abaddon or whatever his name was, that no one, I didn't see that coming out of nowhere. There was no hint of that. 
Um, but it's, it's good in a way because it's given the opportunity for Jack to be himself again and for um, that's, he's that's now what, able to die. Yeah. Well, that's what we're assuming. We don't know that for sure yet. You know, he can't, of course. Uh, that, that's but, just uh, an assumption that we're taking, you know, that yeah. at, the, at the series finale, and again, spoiler alerts, you know, all that, but, uh, you know, he is, so he is killed in a sense, but he does come back. And, but it takes a much longer time this time. And, and what the viewers' assumption has been so far is that ne- that this creature that draws this life energy has dr- drawn it all out of him, which makes sense. And when it, the series returns, maybe instead of being immortal, he'll be mortal. And though I don't know how they're going to find that out without killing him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. But maybe it, maybe he'll have that zest of life again, and we'll see a, mm-hmm. um, you know him return to the character that we knew. Uh, well, also, again, we're giving everything away. We know that he does join up again with that kind of doctor that he's been looking for, and mm. that right kind of doctor. And you—that's very clear at the end of Torchwood, the, the, the you know the series finale. So mm. um, maybe this will put things right. And um, you know, we we knew that John Barrowman's returning in series three of Doctor Who, and um, you know, and, and this is a nice um, the the series finale is a good tie into that. And, um, and I'm sure the series finale of series three of Doctor Who will be a nice tie-in to the beginning of Torchwood for the next series. Of course, because of course he, he goes into the TARDIS and, well, he's taken away by the Doctor. So, But I have a feeling that the Doctor will be able to elude more uh, about this whole episode and things and what's been going on with Jack. So I, I, I think, for me, Torchwood was a very interesting series. Um, I know a lot of hardcore Doctor Who fans haven't enjoyed it um, very much. Um, you and, and Ken more so than me. I, I did enjoy the series as a whole. I just think that um, you needed to kind of just suspend your... your um, I don't know what, what the right word would be to use. Your doubt in the series, really, your disbelief in it and just take it for what it was and and you would enjoy it because it is it's completely different show to doctor who of course and just as the sarah jane series that's just recently come out is a completely different show as well well i I think some of the disappointment also lies in the story ideas were sort of retelling concepts and stories that we've seen being science fiction fans that we've seen elsewhere in science fiction media and Mm. um there wasn't a lot of fresh new stuff that we were hoping for whereas with Doctor Who you seemed even though it has a 40 some odd year history it seems to always um, for the most part you know come up with fresh new ideas and um, and concepts so I I think that part of it played into the series as well as a negative but um, Mm. like I said but they did have some interesting stories even even some of the ones that were uh, some of the ones that that I felt were reminiscent of other things, either a Twilight Zone episode or um, or something that we've seen elsewhere, I still thought some of them were very strong and enjoyable, and and I gave them you know four weevils out of five. So um, not to say that it's a complete negative by you know retelling another concept or another story that we've seen elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, but it, it was an interesting um, series, and I'm pleased that it's been. Um there is another series in 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 production or, or will be in production um because uh, and that by the way is is going to be out on BBC2 as opposed to BBC3 
which is what the BBC seem to do with all of their, yeah, their you, shows. You've is, been saying this all along that that it seems like the B, uh, BBC Three is like a launching pad for yeah, an for experimental some. kind of thing to see how well it does because that's what they did. They they repeated all the shows that were on BBC Three on BBC Two after they realised what the ratings were like and you know and and I mean they they only just. Uh, showed the final two episodes on, on BBC Two the other day, on Wednesday, so not so long ago. So, um, I mean, it, it clearly has been very popular, and I'm pleased that, they, that it will have another series, um, and it will be shown on BBC Two as opposed to BBC Three, so more people will be able to, to see it and, and to, to, to pass judgment on it and enjoy it for what it is, because uh, BBC Three is a fantastic channel, but... Um, Obviously, not as many people have it available to them as as, the, as people do for BBC Two. So, uh, I, I'm very enthusiastic about it, and um, I'm looking forward to the tie-in that it will have with Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another comment I think that that we've seen on our forums and feedback that we get with Torchwood is that um, that since it was sort of um, marketed, I mean not marketed, but um, it was an announced as a post-Watershed series, as an adult series, and um, I, I think maybe some people were expecting something more akin to maybe the new Battlestar Galactica with its storytelling, and um, mm. and, and this was, wasn't was really there, and it seemed to be somewhere between there and, and like what we were used to with Doctor Who, perhaps, and um, and, and, and I guess with any new series, it has to find its its feet and 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 its and you know and find where it's going. And um, so you know, I, I think maybe in series two we'll get, we'll see more of that. And um, you know, I, I think some of us are being a bit too harsh on it. And um, you know, if you look at Star Trek: The Next Generation, the first series, um, that you know, compared to the the six series that followed after that you could argue that was kind of weak too. So, you know, let's, you know, give it a chance, I suppose. And, you know, overall, as a midway through the series, I was getting a little oh, disappointed or, or feeling empty about it. And, but I think that, I think it, the last two episodes were very interesting and, and I think it, it brought it back up a bit and um, yeah. it was good seeing um, some character development with, the Captain Jack character in the last two episodes and finally getting mm. just, you know, where I was expecting to see that more further into the, you know, closer into the beginning of the series. Yeah. Earlier on. Yeah. But and, it was great how you, mm. you learned that of course he has robbed someone of their identity because, um, of his job is with the time agency. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to learning more about that side of things. Cause of course he's got this whole two years that is missing from his life that yeah, has been yeah. raised. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want to know what, what's gone on. And, um, really, I think people were thinking that Torchwood was just going to be basically the doctor who for Jack, Jack's entire show. And, um, I think it's been interesting that it is shown that it can. There are more. There is more to it than that, um, which I think is perhaps why the Doctor Who fans were slightly disappointed. Um, but nonetheless, I really, really enjoyed it, and um, I, I'm looking forward to the second series. And uh, yeah. So, um, a time frame for the second series. We're probably expecting it sort of around the same time 
um, that this one came out, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so, because I think they're filming it around about the same time again. It's it's pretty much similar to the scheduling for Doctor Who in that it's been, you know, filmed for nine months, have, uh, you know, three months off, start filming again. So um, I think it's pretty much going to be the same and they'll be filming it over the same time period uh, as they did last time. So hopefully we can look forward to um, seeing the second uh, series sometime in October, presumably. Mm-hmm. Although I, I, do, I don't know enough about it, I'm just speculating. Well, I, I guess we both are. As yeah. to when it's next to yeah. be. But we'll, we'll maybe announce it when it gets close to the time when we know more about it because it's been interesting. I, I guess the only other comment that I, I just speaking of the series as a whole, that sometimes it felt like sometimes they were showing things just for the sake that they could show it. You know, being that the time slot that it's in, and that they yeah. could, they couldn't do it in Doctor Who, but it didn't really add to the storytelling. And I, I, that's I'm hoping they were to just see, doing it because they could. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we'll reason. see less of that, and just you know, just show things. You know, I'm not opposed of you showing anything gory or whatever, just as long as it it builds upon the story, and it's not just there for shock value or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Lewis, you have seen, speaking of other series, Spin-offs, you've seen, yes. yeah, <laughs> we, you've seen the, the, we, the Sarah Jane series, as, I haven't, sadly. But. As we've seen the end of the first series of the first Doctor Who's, well, it's not the first Doctor Who spin-off, there's, a, there's always Canine and Company, but that leads me to the next Doctor Who spin-off, which, which is the Sarah Jane Adventures. I saw amazing things out there in space, but there's strangeness to be found wherever you turn. Life on Earth can be an adventure too. You just need to know where to look. On New Year's Day, they showed um, the first uh, episode of that, which um, is sort of a sneak preview because the series doesn't begin until later on this year. Uh, I don't have an exact date on when that will be, mm-hmm. but um, they did show, uh, I believe it was called The Invasion of the Bane. And now, as we mentioned with Torchwood, it was um, geared as an adult series. So this is completely geared as a children's series, you know, whereas Doctor Who was a, is sort of a combination of both, a family show with it, which was geared for children and, and adults at the same time, um, and then found a happy place there. Um, Sarah Jane Adventures is, square, is, is squarely head-on as a children's series. So watching that with that knowledge, that knowing that this is meant for a children's series, um, this first, um, and I'm going to keep this spoiler free because I know a lot of us still haven't seen it and I'm not going to give anything away, but um, I felt in particular with this first story, it was sort of like um, Canine and Company meets... Um, Harry Potter meets uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, and and again, all those are essentially. Um, well, I don't know about Canine and Company, but I, I would imagine those those are all children's based genres, you know, coming together in this story. Um, mm. Now, a lot of you may be wondering if you haven't seen it yet, how does Canine play in this? And um, Canine is in this story, but it's only. Only he's Brief. only he's only in it briefly, and he's only in it to sort of explain why he's not in the series. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. He's he, they 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 have him in a way where he could come back. Um, 
you know, if he's really needed, but they have other devices, other story devices in place that are taking K-9's role, and um, maybe this is because there's another K-9 series, another spin-off, um, as we have mentioned in the past, that is, that's forthcoming, um, and they didn't want two K-9 series going on, or I don't know really why this was done, but um, K- this isn't K-9 and Company, and that was made clear by the absence of K-9. So Sarah Jane has other devices and tools and, 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 a, and another character that kind of will encompass everything that K-9 would have done anyway. So um, mm. now it's, it's fairly enjoyable knowing that it's just a children's series. If, if, if that's, you have to go in with those expectations that you're watching a children's series. It, it, um, for the most part, it wasn't, you know, talking down to, as some children's series do to, to, to children. And Sarah Jane, um, Elizabeth Sladen did an excellent job, um, as to be expected. The, I mean, the other casts were pretty good as well. You know, some could argue differently with certain characters. And um, But it was only the first episode, so we kind of have to ha- wait and see how it plays out. Now, an interesting fact is something that, James, you had mentioned is that um, it's overnight ratings. It had like 2.9 million viewers, uh, but out of that, only 0.4 of that figure were children. So it had much more of an adult audience watching, I, I would think. Mm. I think that was because it's it was on at lunchtime. I think on New Year's Day, I was a bit too hungover to watch it, sadly. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that it will have been think something that people will just have had on in the background, sort of a thing to to watch. Um, uh, and more, and the kids will have will have obviously been anticipating it, I guess, for a long time because it's obvious that when uh, Sarah Jane left in school reunion that. She said, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing now. It was apparent that she was going to get her own series, and then the BBC obviously announced it. So uh, children have been quite excited about it. But, you know, I think that, well, what I'm guessing the BBC will do is close to the time when the series is actually properly announced on children's TV is uh, have it on, repeat this uh, New yeah, Year's this Day special yeah. mm-hmm. and then go into this the series. So maybe have it as like a double episode. I don't know how yeah. they'll be fixed for for slots on yeah. um, I, I don't know how, TV, if it's going to be a half hour show or not. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. So there's lots of questions still unanswered but um, if it, this is kind of like, I guess, the Christmas invasion or, or the uh, Runaway Bride for this the Sarah yeah. Jane Smith series. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I will, obviously... I think it's off to a good start, in the sense, knowing that it's a children's series. And, and if you keep that in mind, I, I think it's off to a, a, a good start. Um, though, with the caveat that I think it would have been better if they if she just had K-9 and not have these other... Without Characters. Giving, yeah, without giving mm. a thing away, other means of, of replacing K-9, because all of that could all have been capsulized within K-9. And um, so I, I think it's... I don't know the reasoning behind that, other than that there's this other K-9 series, or maybe they didn't want John Leeson... I don't know. Who knows? I, don't, I mean, he, he was in... There could episode. be any host yeah. of reasons, couldn't there, I guess. I don't know. Maybe Or, or maybe they just didn't the want to... Or maybe they were avoiding the comparison of K-9 and Company, the series, the, the original spin-off series back in... I believe it was 1980 or 81 something like that yeah. yeah yeah but anyway we'll see we shall see yeah so um 
Well, it's just, I know we're rounding up the show here, but uh, last week we, um, we didn't, unfortunately, James was not with us, and Ken and I gave our summaries of The Runaway Bride. So I figured, James, while we have you here, if we can get an, your um, reaction to it. Yeah, um, well, I mean, obviously, I, I sat down and watched it on Christmas Day and was hugely excited about it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was better than last year's Christmas special, I think. Um, there were certain elements that I didn't enjoy and didn't like uh, about uh, the episode. Um, the um, spider queen, um, <laughs> I, I, I can't remember her, her proper yeah. title, the empress mm. of whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I thought that the, that the they had done a terrific job in kitting out this um, amazing costume, um, but it was just such a shame because whenever you saw her, and I think it was a very good job done, a, a, a traditional, in a way, sort of Doctor Who villain, monstrous villain, but you never really saw it move or do anything. Anything where the, 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 the spider had to move was all done by CGI, so... Um, I mean, obviously the actress would move and, and squirm about, but you never saw the thing move. And that to me just seemed silly and, and it didn't really work. Um, I, I did think that Catherine Tate was terrific. Um, I did have some reservations about her because, um, I don't know, I, I'm not a huge fan of her comedy. She's, mm -hmm. She is quite good, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. But she was a, did do a terrific job. David Tennant, of course, was on the ball and there were loads of great sequences in it um, that I, I, I really thought were just amazing, and both visually and, and, and logistically. If I, I don't know how they would, have, they would have done this scene where they're going down the motorway and the TARDIS has to follow, and it was just really breathtaking. Um, I don't know, it, it has a different feel to it than um, other uh, Doctor Who shows, I think, in the past, but... I, well, the element that I particularly liked was how they dealt with Rose's um, departure. leaving the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, her departure. It was done in a very subtle way, and it was obvious that the Doctor didn't have the time to grieve. Yeah, because this it takes up right after uh, Doomsday, this story yeah, picks up. exactly. And I think that is good for the Doctor, because I think it wouldn't be good to have the Doctor moping around all the time. But it was also very realistic in a way in the way that it was done because as soon as he stops for a moment as soon as he has the time to grieve he does he i mean there's a scene at the the reception where you know he's left alone for on his own for a bit and he's thinking about rose it's it's apparent you can see it in his expression and of course the bit in the tardis where the bride picks up um a piece of her clothing and so on and you know, you can tell that he's he's really is heartbroken over the fact that Rose has left, um, and there's nothing that he can do about it. But um, I, I think it's a nice introduction to the to the show. I'm I'm really looking forward to the 2007 series, and as I'm sure everybody is. Mm. Um, and it's nice to see that, that again with Doctor Who, it's the same but different. Yeah. Although things change, it still is the same core show. And it's still as enjoyable and still is just as fun. Well, James, um, I, I know you haven't heard what, what myself, Ken, and, and we mm. had Mike on the show last week as well, um, it, the, you know, what we encapsulated with it. But, it, you know, what you just said, 
um, echoes um, similar to what we had said. You know, where right. I, I think the strong part of the of the um, story was. Um, up until we, the spider came, until the empress came, and then it sort of went a little downhill after that. But um, yeah, the, I thought the pacing of this was pretty good. I, I you know, I, I seen it twice, and each time I saw it, I thought it. I thought to myself, "Gee, this has to be shorter than last year's Christmas special." And um, I think it's the same running time. Um, yeah, it's about an hour, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, but it just because the pacing, it just feels like it goes by quicker. So um, I, I'll give it that you know that as a positive, but um, I, I thought the 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 monster or the the threat just wasn't really up to par, and I think that's why I couldn't give it a four. I, I gave it um, three and a half, and maybe I was being more generous. A bit than I stingy. Be. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I, actually, I mean, it was the we we gave the review uh, on New Year's Eve, and it was a Christmas episode, and I didn't want to be too much of a Grinch. So, <laughs> so, but I mean, it's it's it was enjoyable, but I just thought it could have been the the whole threat. The we had the again the the Santa Clauses, uh, the the robots again, the the pilot fish, whatever you want to call them, um, that we saw last time, and again they weren't the main adversaries, but sort of like they were stringing them along, uh, you know, yeah. for for the real threat and all that. And I just didn't really find. The, the the um the spider creature that much of a menace or believable or i don't know it's just that that yeah really where it failed on for me so um what would you give it as far as a tortoise um groans go i think i would have to agree with you in that um if it weren't for I'm I'm going to be a bit slightly more generous actually, and I'm going to give it four out of five tardis grounds. That's, um, that's what Ken gave it. Uh, I did enjoy it, but I, again, I, I completely agree with you in that I think that it wasn't really down to the actress that I didn't find the, the spider monster really scary, but it would have been a lot better. I don't know whether it was just for sheer budget constraints or whatever if it had actually moved around whilst talking to the doctor and present that way it would have present more of a threat and would have been more believable than oh it's just a woman in a costume mm. um you know because all the other time it's in its spaceship and you never see it but when you do see it you think wow that is fantastic they're doing a terrific job in the makeup department and everything but it would have just been better had they could have moved it her around or even just had the illusion that she could have moved where she was just really stationary and it just didn't seem right and she seemed like the the whole scene where um the doctor is destroying all of her her kin her siblings if you will she just stands there and doesn't do anything about it yeah you would have thought that she would have with all this technology uh, and not even that, but just her, her sheer size and, and well, if, everything. If, she would have gone for the Doctor. Yeah, if you think back to the movie Aliens, and where the Queen was, you know, when Ripley was killing all the eggs and the aliens just went and a tyrant, you know, the, the Queen alien just, you know, after seeing that, she, she got very protective and went after Ripley with all her force. And that was not seen here at all. Mm, that's what it needed because it seemed that, that, that these robots, these Christmas Santa-style robots, were just doing all the legwork. And I thought that it was appropriate to have them in the beginning because you don't want to really reveal who the villain is. But once the villain has been revealed, which is what I liked in the Christmas invasion, is that the, the Sycorax, you know, were quite menacing. There was this huge spaceship um, hovering over London, the Sycorax in their thousands, really dominance over of a humankind and it was scary and it and it worked this didn't because the robots were doing all the work and once you've introduced the main villain 
she should have been the main threat and should have been more menacing. And, and I think don't think that was down to the actress. I just think maybe that was down to time constraints or budget or whatever. But I'm going to give it four. If it, you know, I think it was a good, a good show, but uh, I think that it was just lacking in certain elements, really. But overall, a, a, good, a good taster of what things are going to be like for the 2007 series. All right, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. So um, I've just got a few brief emails here that I don't think there's any point in, in going uh, away and, and saying no, we'll no. be right back. Um, just because the, the, the email that we've received has been very brief, I, I guess just because um, it's been the, the, the Christmas period and so people have been very busy and wanting to spend time with family and so on. So I just thought I'd shoot out a, a few e- good, fantastic mm-hmm. emails that we've had sure. in, in the meantime. Um, and this is from Chris in, in New Zealand, and he says, just wanted to say a quick hello and thank you. have been accidentally downloading your show for a few months. I've only had my uh, iPod for a few months, and I'm still learning how to use it. While I was painting the house, I listened to a few shows. Thank you for turning a boring job into a not-so-boring job. Very interested about what you were saying about Torchwood. Do you have any idea when it might be shown in New Zealand? Also, just wanted to get your opinion on something. With this show being as successful as it has been over the past few years, do you think Doctor Who could go to the big screen? Or is it still too soon? That's from Chris Harwood in New Zealand. So cheers, mate. Mm. Um, Firstly, sadly, I I don't have any clue about um, when Torchwood is coming to New Zealand. It it may have been better for for Sean to answer that question. Or even if it is going to be. Yes, I don't know whether... Indeed, we were talking about it earlier, just me and Lewis, whether... um, the BBC was even thinking of marketing Torchwood to to um, foreign lands. Yeah, so um, I, I don't mean, know. But we, we know it's going to be in Canada because um, the CBC yeah the support from is, CBC is yeah. um, one of the um, underwriters for it. So um, it's definitely going to Canada. When we don't, we're not sure about. But um, we don't know about New Zealand. If we do have listeners in New Zealand that do have a clue or that may have some insight on this, please let us know. Yes, please do. Um, and as for uh, the the show translating to the big screen, um, I know that Russell T. Davis himself is very, very um, anxious about translating the series to the big screen. There was the suggestion that BBC Films might do another sort of TV-style movie or, or, or a movie in general. And uh, I know that Russell T. Davis has been very... Um, uh, anxious about doing it and very almost unco- almost to the point of uncooperativity with BBC Films because he, he said in an interview that he probably shouldn't be saying this but he didn't want to do it and didn't think that it would work and I'm tempted to agree um, Yeah, I think that Doctor Who is a success as a series it has been a series for the past 40 years and it's worked and I think that there were, when the TV movie came out, which I enjoyed, don't get me wrong, I, I, I just don't think it worked in the same way. I, I, you, don't, you don't feel as scared um, because it doesn't have that sort of a cliffhanger-style edge um, as, as the, um, the series does. And there's a, there's a plot co- progression over several stories. There's always an undercurring, um, uh, a subplot, if you like, about how the, the series progresses. Um, which is always is cool and interesting. I, I don't think it would be as good in a film because I don't think you could have that, personally. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about yeah, this? I, I, I think a film would be very awkward because you would have to 
introduce to the, um, the characters to a whole new audience and you know because you can't assume that they've been watching the television series and um, there's just so much history with Doctor Who um, I mean sure it can be done but um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it'd be I, very I, complicated. I, I'll it? be very, I would be very nervous and anxious, um, uh, you know, in a negative way about it because of, you know, what kind of changes it will make. Will it be, will it be in the same timeline as the series? Will it be the same actors from the series? Is it going to be recast? And um, so I would be very apprehensive about it. And I would rather just continue with the TV series. As I said, Doctor Who's first and fourth month, fourth month is a television series. And I'm hoping that it just, you know, continues in that medium um, for as long as it can, you know, and mm. um, not that I discourage it from going into other mediums, but I would just have some intrepidation about it. I mean, we already had two big screen adventures with Doctor Who, and as enjoyable as they may be, they 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 really steer away from the established um, mythos of what you know yeah. that was done in the series. You know, they they yeah, made the canon, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I I rather them focus their energies on on the on the television series. Mm, me too, I think. But, you know, uh, perhaps it is inevitable that if the only situation I think that would prompt Doctor Who to, to, to go to the big screen would be a situation kind of like Star Trek, where you, there's no need to um, have a backstory, uh, to have introduced the whole premise of the show because everybody knows the premise of the show. And I only think that, that would be possible really in Britain if they wanted to, to export the, the, the movie to other countries, particularly America, where, as I understand it, Doctor Who is, is much more of a cultish phenomenon than mm -hmm. it is in the yeah. UK. It just wouldn't work. And I think just from a sheer finance point of view, to make a movie, it, it's just not going to work, sadly. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, just two more emails to get through. Mm -hmm. um, this is from Scaro Mel, who is on our forums, and she says, Hey guys, in Podshock 61, I believe it was Lewis who wanted to know why the new Doctor Who soundtrack wasn't out in the US. Well, it might not be out yet, but on the US Amazon site, they're taking pre-orders for the soundtrack, which they say will be released here on February the 13th. Thought you might like to know. So, of course, you can head over to Amazon.com, and just search for the Doctor Who soundtrack and you'll find the link there to, 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 to pre-order it. And she says, hope you had a nice holiday. And that is from Scaro and Mel. So cheers, Mel. That's great news. I'm sure there are lots of people out there in the US who uh, have been dying to know this information. It's really been silly that it, well, we've talked about it before. It's really been silly that it hasn't been available on the iTunes Music Store, which I know a lot of my friends in the US were, were holding out for it being released on the iTunes Music Store. In the US? Um, I mean, it yeah. even came to a surprise. Yeah, it even came to a surprise for me that um, it was released on the UK store because I checked the morning off and it, sure enough it was there. But there was really no announcement about it. And usually, you know, you would have thought that, they, that the BBC would have been, would have put some information on their website about it or anything, but they didn't, sadly. But anyway... It's nice to know that at least pe mm -hmm. people in the U.S. will be able to get their well, hands on this fantastic. You still can disc. get it, you know, either by in, you know via importing or th there's um, a soundtrack specialty um, 
retailer that I got it from, and in, you know, I, that's based in the U.S. And you can get it from Amazon, um, the the U.K. Amazon store, as I know course, many of our yeah. listeners did. So um, it's just silly that it just wasn't released simultaneously, both in the U.S. and and the U.K. Because there's really nothing, you know, in the soundtrack that you know to you know. There's not. I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't have been that done that way. But um, so be it. I'm glad it is having a U.S. domestic release as well in February, and um, just gets more exposure. Maybe at that time it will be released in the U.S. iTunes Store, um, but it is definitely in the U.K. iTunes Store, as can as James has already mentioned. And um, yeah. in fact, when you when I had put when I had um, got the soundtrack and I put it into iTunes so I can have it on my iPod, it automatically downloaded the cover artwork for it, as iTunes does, even though I'm in the US and it's only in the UK. You see, that's the, even then, that's so silly, isn't it? If they, can, if they can have that database available, I don't know why they just can't have, in a way, a big, you know, I guess it's licensing and so on, and, you know, they've got to be careful. But it seems so silly to me that although you used... There is a UK store. Most of the songs are all, if not all of the songs, should be available to UK listeners as to US listeners and mm-hmm. Norwegian listeners or whoever else it is, whatever else, other country in the world where iTunes exists. So, But anyway, it's just an, an interesting piece of news that I, I wanted to thank Mel for, for relaying to us. And I'm sure there are a few people out there who would, would have liked to have known that. Absolutely. So anyway, moving on to the final email, which is just a, a quickie from a, a guy called Stephen, who's uh, in Australia. He says, hey guys, in case no one has passed this one along, the Herald Sun, the newspaper published here in Melbourne, Australia, recently described Billy Piper as the actor who put the ooh into Doctor Who. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny how it's great that, that uh, you know, such great actors are for getting press in, in other countries and so on and so forth and he says best wishes for the new year so cheers for that Stephen but just a nice quick short email but uh, I'm sure that if you go to the Heraldson website uh, then you, there may even be an article about it I don't know I'll have yeah. to see but there we are well, so of, of course please do get in touch with us uh, if you do want to send any further email in the future the address of course is feedback at podshock.net uh, do keep checking out our website. We have a fantastic set of forums. Of course, gallifreyandembassy.org or podshock.net. And of course, for uh, our partners uh, over at Outpost Gallifrey, which is at gallifrey1.com, visit over there for the fantastic news section and forums and all sorts from the premier uh, Doctor Who website in America. So and, there we are. Be sure to send us your voice feedback as well uh, via Skype or Gizmo to Podshock or Call the Podshock Public Call Box at 206-888-4WHO. That's 206-888-4946. It's a U.S. call, uh, U.S. area code, so just be aware of that. And, um, we welcome your voicemails. It's a voice. Um, it's an audio podcast, so um, of course we always enjoy audio feedback. Mm-hmm. So that's, that wraps up our first show of um, 2007. 2007, yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, yes. And, um, and uh, we'll be back uh, again next week. And um, till then, um, cheerio, everyone. Have a good one, yeah. Yes. Cheerio.
have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented to you by Outpost Gallifrey. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Some of this stuff must go back centuries. He scavenges antique pieces from the past, brings them here, sells them for profit. Not a bad business plan. Mm. We all have to earn a living. You're from 1941. As you were. Hello, again. How can you be in two time zones at once? I can step across eras. Like you'd walk into another room. At first, it was the most incredible gift. Now I know the reality. It's a curse. <laughs>